Hey, and welcome to the Clocked In Creative, a podcast for creatives in business made by creatives in business. Brought to you by the University of Georgia here in beautiful Athens, Georgia. I'm your host, Seth Hendershot. Today, we will be talking to local business owner, Sarah Yeager, owner of Indie South Gift Shop and Modern Makers Market. We're going to be talking about a number of topics, but today's topic is knowing and showing your business value. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. Nice to see you. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we get to do it. I think this is a a necessary thing that uh, there's been a hole in the podcast market, I think, for creatives in business. It's the long time honored conversation of how do you make art your business or how do you make business out of your art? Um, And I think a lot of people in Athens uh, have figured that out to some degree. None of us are, you know, making millions, but we're certainly trying our best uh, to make a living out of this, carve out a a nice living and to bring culture and uh, aesthetic competence to members of the community. I think I think you guys do a, a fantastic job at that. So tell us a little bit about Indie South and what Indie South does. Uh, well, Indie South at this point is both a brick and mortar shop and a fair event that happens several times a year. Um, so our shop has about a hundred different uh, makers and artists and small brands that we carry there along with the assortment of other stuff. And then um, the events themselves just have anywhere from 75 to a hundred makers coming together in a marketplace setting. That's awesome. Uh, And tell us about you. Like, how did you get started in that world? Well, I was a maker myself, of course. Um, I like to sew and I like to design things out of stuff that I found at thrift shops. I was uh, really big into thrifting in the 90s and um, was just always collecting things that wasn't quite right. And particularly jewelry, I like to take apart. And I would even find fabric and um, make bags out of them. So... Basically, I had decided to open up a little shop um, around that concept, around selling my stuff and selling only handmade other things um, after I'd had some success in a local little vendor mall that was here. And um, and yeah, the shop only lasted for about two years. And after I closed that down, I started Indie South, which was the marketplace uh, version of the business. And so yeah, so I've just been doing that for almost 15 years now. Wow, all in Athens. Mostly in Athens. I did take the show on the road for a period of about two and a half years. We went to Nashville, Asheville, Atlanta, um, Columbia, South Carolina. So I was trying to make it into a regional festival, but then I got pregnant and <laughs> I realized that it just the timing was not going to work out. And and we did we did enjoy going to other places. We also went to Chattanooga. Um so yeah, we, we had fun, but it just a, a toddler, a baby is not conducive to that. Baby changes everything. Yeah, for sure. Yes, it does. <laughs> so good on you. <laughs> so it's better to be based in Athens. Yeah, 100%. No, yeah. And I think Athens has embraced what you've brought uh, to the community, and it's it's great. I remember when you first started doing the market in the parking lot over on Chase Street, and I, I distinctly remember this one time where uh, you had made a post about starting to charge for entry to the market mm-hmm. and that you were getting some pushback for that and you were just kind of like i mean it's the cost and, and this is something that artists of every ilk struggle with is like there is a cost to doing all of this it's not i mean it's a beautiful thing and everybody enjoys it and you know it seems 
to the people who are really talented at it, it seems effortless, but it's not. There's a ton of effort that goes into it. And I think that was your main point on that was that like you know, there's a lot of overhead here you have to understand like please well and honestly it was i was really facing a choice between do i want to keep doing this because if i have if i'm going to keep doing this it has to become more of a full-time job than a quote-unquote side hustle which it more or less had been up to that point. Right. Um, and I had just come to a decision in my own life that I was no longer going to be able to juggle running that and also working other jobs. Because at that point I was doing, yeah, several shows a year. I mean, I think there was, I think back in 2017, 2016, we did something like 22 shows that yeah, year yeah. with all of the traveling that we did. So yeah, so it was a decision of, you know, is this is this a real thing? Is this my business? Is this a career? Or is this just something that, yeah, that I do on the side? Right, so that led you to exactly what this is about, like knowing your business's value um, in a town that certainly wants things like that to occur, events like that to occur. So when you came to your sort of, what am I doing, why am I doing it kind of moment, what what was that like for you? Um, well, I mean, it's actually something that I've continued to refine and evolve as, as time went on, but um, I knew pretty early on my why. I just wasn't ready to take the leap full time. It just didn't seem like it could be a, a thing, you know, but the why for me has always been about just community and bringing people together around um, handmade goods mm. and and creativity and creative people and um, and Athens has always had a ton of support for the music scene here but especially back then when I started it it was it was almost like you know the other stuff was sort of relegated even people that did finer arts and paintings and there was a couple of um, of things happening in town and there was one little market but you know overall it wasn't um, something that was yeah as on the scale that i saw it needing to be you know right. um in order to really make an impact and to also just showcase all the different types of creatives that we have here yeah yeah i think that's that's kind of the mo one of the mo most important things that you do with those markets is like the the variety the showcase of variety is is pretty astounding like there's all kinds of makers and all kinds of different things that they create and i think that lends itself to a successful market has it been pretty successful for you over the years like it's just grown or it has i mean we've had our ups and downs um sometimes i mean anybody who has coordinated events or planned events or hosted knows that you're gonna have that show where it's crickets and nobody shows up and yeah. you're not 100 percent <laughs> sure why and you're just like oh Those are fun. This is, right <laughs> always really fun when you're the person behind it um so you know there have been there have been uh, a few events i've done that have been like that but by and large it's they have been successful we have a lot of support in the community and particularly the last christmas market that we did was maybe one of our most successful markets and everybody was just so grateful to be there and to be coming together um, as a community like that because it is really a community of creatives and some of them do only see each other once or twice a year at the indie south fairs you know but a yeah. lot of them travel and do other shows and stuff too and so yeah so there was there's a connection there that's a it's a cool aspect of those those markets I didn't realize 
um, how many of those folks do like keep in contact with each other between markets or, you know, there's this like little subculture of makers. It's, it's a really neat thing. And I think it's growing more and more as you see more of the like resistance to the big box and resistance to the ordering online and that kind of stuff. People want stuff that's quality, that's handmade, that they can talk to the person that actually made it and selling it to them. I think there's an increase in demand for that. I, I hope that that's the case. I don't know, but I it, hope that that's it the case. It definitely feels that way at Indie South. Um, Good. Yeah, we've, I mean, surprisingly enough, we've seen growth in the past year when I didn't even know if we were going to be able to keep the, the shop open. And I didn't know if or when we would be able to do events. Um, and, and we've actually, yeah, we've seen a lot of um a lot of growth and and that was a surprise to me but it is a testament to people's awareness of of what's happening and um you know in the bigger picture and and wanting to support the smaller entrepreneurs and the smaller creatives for especially sure especially in a post-pandemic world yeah especially <laughs> yes and it's and that's encouraging that yeah. that was the shift instead of this shift to like i just want to buy everything on amazon and you right. know never leave my house again or something yeah so. thank god <laughs> yeah there's a little silver lining to this and i feel it I absolutely mean, I yeah you your brand indie south did the market come first or did the brand come first so the market came first um but that wasn't what i called it at first <laughs> <laughs> I decided, I, I put the first holiday market that I did together in like two weeks. Um, so I didn't, there wasn't a lot of planning around it. I got my friend to devi- design the poster and um, and I decided to call it the Athens Indie Craft Stravaganza. Nice. And that had two A's at the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so most people could not uh, spell it, much less say it. And um, yeah, I hung on to that name for I think maybe f- about five years or so before I was like, it's time for a rebrand. I've got to do something that people can can pronounce. Right, and, that's and a huge type part. in, yeah. you know. And so. we're from the Lollapalooza generation. I mean, that's <laughs> we grew up with that. None of us Absolutely. understood what that word meant, but we wanted to go to it. Because but it, it was worked. It was it was the hook. It you drew know? you in. Um, but you're right. Like when you're branding for a successful business, like you got to be able to spell it particularly in the online world which was not a thing for Lollapalooza or in the 90s I am very much not a tech savvy person I did not grow up with a personal computer I didn't have a personal computer until I was well into my 30s so a lot of that stuff didn't register for me right no that's a great point a lot of branding now you have to have that in mind you have to have you have to it's, yeah. in, it's absolutely imperative yes search engines and and uh, yeah so, uh, so you made the shift to Indie South about four or five years in, and yes. that, did you see an an instant increase in traffic, like online traffic, particularly? Um, yeah, I would definitely say it was easier for people to find us, and um, you know, and we were in a a lot of having a lot of growth at that time anyway, and so it's hard to quantify the effect that changing the name had on it. I was really nervous about changing the name, and I decided to go ahead and do it anyway, and I'm definitely glad I did. Yeah. I think people instantly gravitated to it, uh, which is always the, the, the fear, right? Like they won't get it. It's just the same person, but it, it seemed to me as an outsider, it seemed seamless like that you rebranded cause we knew it was you. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I did work on it for, for quite some time before I unveiled that change to my audience. And um, and I had a new logo and, and a whole new look and everything, too, so that nice. went along with it. Yeah. Who did the logo? Um, well, I worked with several people, actually, on it. The, the, the logo that I have now, I think, was Kim Kirby, but um, she oh, nice. used a lot of the stuff that I, I gave to her. So um, a lot of it was very collaborative. Mm -hmm. And the, the sort of third eye triangle, what is what's the story <laughs> there? I want to know as a, well, I mean, as a fan. It obviously has, uh, it's about the Illuminatus. No, I, uh, <laughs> yes. it obviously has some mystical connotations, um, to it, but, but to me personally, I mean, I, I kind of waffle back and forth between he uh, eyes or hands because I feel like those are both very involved in creativity and art and appreciation of things. And, um, yeah, since I'm a designer, uh, and, somebody who's just really into aesthetics i thought the eye fit better but um yeah i mean i'm definitely into some alternative strange things too so i guess i wanted that to reflect a bit more um because i feel like it's important to have your brand reflect you personally you yeah know? on that note you were a fashion design major in college did i read that right or fabrics i was a fabric design major fabric design major mm -hmm. in and so that's through the school of art at UGA, yes, when it was still that tiny little building there. Um, Over on Spring? Mm -hmm. Wow, cool. Yeah. yeah. What prompted that? Like, you were obviously going to thrift stores and, and putting together different outfits and things and probably playing around, but, like, when did you realize, like, oh, I can go to college and be a fabric design Well, major. I started out as an English major. There we go. <laughs> so, there it is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I actually just switched my major partway through uh, college because I just I wanted to be able to use the facilities there and, you know, and learn. I didn't know. I really didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I loved clothes and um, and yeah, that I didn't want an English degree. And so <laughs> I switched my major ended up dropping out anyway but um but yeah I did some some fun stuff while I was there they didn't have a fashion design program if I had realized what the fashion merchandising program was I probably would have gone into that but I didn't think I thought I was approximating a fashion design degree so huh yeah so you just learned fashion merchandising on on the fly more yes or less. I have never worked um retail really except for for myself so yeah the design part of it that was something that was just kind of in you and you wanted to do that you obviously made a choice at some point where you were like I could have a job and do this as a hobby but I'd rather this be my job so there's the the sort of you know impetus for the third point of what we're talking about which is at what point does um does your business sort of integrate with your art or in your art integrate with your business like when do you how do you make that shift how do you how do you put value to the thing that you would do even if you weren't getting paid you know what i mean like for a lot of people it's i don't want a nine to five and to do this on the side i just want to do this and there is a demand for it and i can make money at it i just have to figure out how to make this a business i think that's you know by and large, this podcast is sort of focusing on that. Like creative people generally don't think like a business person and right. vice versa. Business people generally don't think creatively. So it's, it's a real struggle sometimes. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I know. Um, yeah, that's. A, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, it, it took me, like I said, it took me a long time to do Indie South full time. I, um, I realized that I wanted to make a business out of my my creative pursuits after my first child was born, who's about to be 20 this year. Um, <laughs> so I really wanted, um, you know, there was something about having a kid when I was pretty young that made me really go, okay, what, what is it that I'm wanting for my life? And I knew that I did not want a nine to five. And I really had all these dreams that I was afraid I was about to kind of let go of and walk right. away from because now I had this huge responsibility and, um, and so, yeah, it just became really determined. And there was a series of opportunities that came up that allowed me to open my first shop when I was 25 and had zero experience and no idea what I was doing. Um, and, and that was great and I took them. And so I feel like a lot of my journey as a business owner, even though once I closed down the shop, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing that as a full-time thing. And I did have a, another job a lot um, while I had the shop as well. I would sure. waitress um, yeah. at night, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, basically, you know, I think you just get to a point where I mean, hopefully it makes sense for you financially and yeah. And also that it's just, it's, it's hard to juggle both of those things. Um, I mean, I did it for many, many years, but I, yeah, I ultimately thought like, I've got to take that leap. And so I think that really recognizing when those opportunities come up and, and yeah, being willing to take risks, I feel is, is a huge part of it. And, and, um, having the confidence to, to bet on yourself as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and and yeah, and I had developed that after after several years, and um, but the money was was a big part of it. I mean, I won't lie. I, once when the events started to become pretty profitable, um, you know, I thought, hey, this I might have something here, so yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. sh I might should per pursue the whole thing, and um, yeah, and I just decided to go for it. That's awesome. Yeah, there is there is a, a sense of confidence you get like the first time you you pay a bill from your art. Like, you know, you write a song and get a check and 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 you can pay your your mortgage or you, you know, create this event and and all these things that you've made sell and you like go home and you you're good for the month and you're like, "I can do this." Like this is something right. that's sustainable. It takes just as much work as me going to a nine to five job, but I can just put all of my energy into this thing and not sacrifice any of the integrity of what it is I want to do or my vision for it, which you have not. Um, and, and I think it's a great point, uh, that you, when you talk about taking, um, sort of taking a risk or taking a bet on yourself, like really taking the plunge and being like, I can do this. Like this, this is, I'm, I am capable enough and people have shown me that there's value in, in what I'm doing, um, that I'm just going to go for it. And if it fails, it fails. There is, there's risk in business no matter what, even if you, yes. even if you graduate with an MBA from UGA, you're still <laughs> risking yourself in business. Yes. Um, so no, I think that's a, that's a great point. And that's a, a really cool thing I, I hope that that's inspiring for people to hear especially coming from fellow creators who are trying to do this for a living 
<laughs> right. And, and I think it's also a point worth making, too, that, you know, not everybody who is a creative, you know, necessarily does need to make it their full time gig. I mean, there's ways that you can do things as a side hustle. And for me, it worked as a side hustle for for many years. And yep. that was great, you know. Um, but yeah, there is there's a risk tolerance that you have to have when you take that leap and there's no safety net there. And you're not going back to work on Monday. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that probably just comes from like you experienced years of plugging away, you know, failing sometimes, learning yes. from those failures, keep pursuing a couple of successes and you're like, OK, this is good. And you ride that wave a little bit and then maybe you fall. You know, and it's I mean, I think that's the same with with any occupation or any anything you do in life. There are. Uh, you know, no risk, no reward. Absolutely, yeah. And and no failure, no education. Like, <laughs> like you don't learn if you win all the time. Right. <laughs> you just oh, think, yeah. I got this. Especially, yeah, so. especially in business. That's awesome. <laughs> so what's the, what's, now that we're, and I've been trying to avoid pandemic talk because <laughs> it's so, like, exhausting to think about, but we're kind of on the other side, or it feels like we're coming on the other side of it. I know everybody's asking these questions, you know, from for every business owner or every creative person like when are we going back to normal i don't even know what that means anymore it's been so long yeah but what is the future for indie south like what what does the future hold for you in your either wildest dreams or in your most practical reality <laughs> well i'm trying to live in the practical reality these days right. um well, you know, we've really gotten rooted in the building that we're in on Hawthorne. There's a lot of outdoor space there, um, thankfully, which I am wanting to utilize more um, because, yeah, even if suddenly, you know, six months from now, 95% of people are vaccinated and, <clears throat> you know, the risk has gone way down. I still think that, you know, being outside and gathering in that way is good, you know, mm -hmm. and um We've got some vendors in the in the middle room, and so that's been working out well. And we've got some, you know, artists and makers as well as vintage curators, and so we'll be taking on more of those, and really just expanding the shop, expanding our collections that um, that we carry. I've been doing more of my own work again, finally, because I I didn't really do a lot of creative work for um, several years as well when I was running the events and also working, you know, multiple other jobs at times. Um, so I'm trying to get back into the designing aspect, which Good. is what got me into it originally. So having more stuff that, um, yeah, that we design and make in house. Cause my husband also has his screen printing shop there. Nice. So we are, um, experimenting with doing stuff. That's not just t-shirts like, you know, wall hangings, bandanas, larger scale type things. Um, but yeah, just having that, uh, freedom to be creative, having more events and workshops outside and, I'm hoping to get some sort of little um, food or beverage component off the ground, even if it's just on, in pop-up form. I, I think it's it's a fun thing. So It would complement the business structure you have. I mean, certainly people want to have a little something while they peruse yeah, the goods. Yeah, and that's people great. like... People really talk about how much they like being in that space and how much, you know, they, they want to kind of linger. And um, I think it is not just a shopping experience there. I like to think so anyway. We do have a ton of plants, and that helps a lot for yeah. sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, before the, the shutdown, we had envisioned, as you know, a more versatile community-type space that would feature some performances and um 
you know, and for private event rentals and stuff like that. And so that has been put on hold, but we still, we still want to keep up with those gatherings and bringing people together. Nice. Nice. Um, last question. If there was one piece of advice you could impart on 25 year old Sarah, what would it be? Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) It would just really be about believing in myself because I, I didn't for a long time. And yeah, and understanding that failure is not, it's not the end of the road. It never is in business. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're that person with a true entrepreneurial spirit, um, you will pick yourself up and dust yourself off and keep going and there will be other opportunities. I was really devastated um, when I closed my shop, the, my first shop, and, um, and it was really, really hard on me and I swore I would never do it again, you know? And, and I was like, no, I will never have another brick and mortar space. It's too much work. It's, it's too much of this and that. I can't handle it. And, um, and then sure enough, the opportunity presented itself down the, down the road almost five years ago now. We've, we've been back in brick and mortar form and um, yeah, and it's been great. And so, you know, just learning that there's always gonna be bumps in the road, there's always gonna be disappointments, um, things that seem like, you know, obstacles. And I feel like one of the things to remember is that everything is, is happening for you. It's happening to kind of push you forward, whether it's a learning or a growth opportunity or, you know, even when it looks like failure, you're still being moved in, in the direction forward, you know, and there's, it's not an end necessarily. Um, yeah. And just, and just believing so much in what you're capable of, even if you don't necessarily have the background, even if you're not, um, you know, if you're not somebody who has ever tried something like that before too, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with trying and you can start small. Yeah. And there's a ton of resources out there and yes. things you can check out, listen to and watch to learn. Um, tell everybody where they can find mo- out more about Indie South. You can just go to the If you want to find us on Instagram, we're also at the Indie South and yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for stopping by and talking to us today. All right. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Clocked In Creative, brought to you by the University of Georgia here in beautiful Athens, Georgia. This episode was recorded at Hendershot's event space off Prince Avenue in Athens, Georgia. Go to HendershotsAthens.com to find out what we're up to. For more information on the podcast, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Clocked In Creative or go to our website, TheClockedInCreative.com. For more episodes, find us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, y'all, this is Seth Hendershot signing off. Remember to stay creative, stay humble, keep learning, and never give up. Bye, y'all.